right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, we're going to talk some KU football today. We've got another opponent team preview. We're going to talk with Jake Hatch to uh, help us preview BYU. We've got another fun draft that we're going to do later on in the show. The draft is going to be good. Yeah, it'll be a MLB team name. So the concept of what their team name is, not like the mascot of the person who puts the uh, the clothes on or the uniform on. It's it's what the actual mascot represents. Um, so like I said, it's going to be a fun show. All sorts of great segments. Uh, we will get into some KU football talk off the bat here. Also, we're awaiting the Nick Marsh decision, Marsh decision coming up at 4.05. Um, but wanted to, to mention this. So uh, there's some stuff circulating on social media at this point. And uh, us as a station, we're, we're being respectful of the, the Booth family wishes. But uh, now it's all kind of public. So we wanted to make mention of it. Um, Hank Booth, the longtime KLWN host here. He's been doing mornings. He's been doing Lawrence High football for 50 years. Uh, basically, honestly, like Hank is is the face face of this station. Um, and Hank, unfortunately, has passed away. Um, from what I've been told, uh, the details that he passed away in his sleep last night. So, you know, you, you always hope that it's kind of a uh, a, a more painless type situation uh, that goes down. And uh, I, I guess I'll the rest of the details that's that's not for me to share um but as far as you know with Hank goes he he means so much to the station uh from our standpoint and you've been here less than I have but it, but it applies for me as well you know I I never got to see Hank in his heyday when he was working at the station full time uh, to a point where now he was basically, you know, he's doing a show in the morning. He was doing Lawrence High football. He'd stop by here every now and then. And uh, so I, I never got to, to, I guess, get that that full experience with Hank, which was unfortunate. But from the limited experiences that I did get of interacting him with uh, with him on, on Fridays for high school football or interacting with him in the morning or, you know, being on his show or having him come in to talk Lawrence High football or just seeing him at the station. I mean, uh, there are there are many times where I would just see Hank walking around the station and we'd be in a commercial break and, you know, he'd pop his head in the studio and just want to talk KU football or something for a few minutes or or want to compliment uh, the show on, on doing something that he thought was really good. And, you know, little compliments like that, I, I know they don't they're not hard to say to other people, but when you hear them from from peers that like Hank has been in the radio business for so long, it really does mean something. And so uh, just wanted to speak a little bit on it. We're going to we're going to on a Monday show on RCST, try to have a full hour where we kind of devote it to, you know, talking stories about Hank and, and try to have some guests on it because of uh, today it being more 
of a like slow release of the news coming out. We didn't want to like overdo it today in in case the news wasn't supposed to get out. But like I said, recently it kind of started to. Um, so yeah, man, I I don't know if you have any anything you wanted to share with Hank. Obviously, like I said, you, you haven't known him for for nearly as long as anything like that. But but yeah, man, it's it's a sad day here at KLWN. Yeah, it was it was clear that he was really the heart and soul of this place and and was the embodiment uh, of KLWN and everybody that I've ever spoken with about Hank always had such wonderful things to say about him and and his passion for this industry and what he did for KLWN and and obviously his show was was very very successful in the mornings and he's uh, been beloved as the the voice of Lawrence High for so long and that it's you know it's it's one of those things where you you have a hard time envisioning what it would look like without him Right. And so it's it's very, very sad and and uh, certainly uh, a sad day for Caleb UN because he was he was really the, the, the embodiment of of this station. Truly. Yeah, he really was. And uh, means so much to I mean, the, the biggest thing that I take away from Hank, his show in the morning and just his his love of the city of Lawrence, his love yeah. of the yeah. local community. Yeah, not, only, this, not only did he embody the station, he yeah. really, really embodied Lawrence. He, he really did. He yeah. really did. And and this can apply for anybody in the city of Lawrence. This can apply for anybody who just cares about their local community in another city. You can't impact things from a big level unless you impact things from a small level. And and even just the smallest impacts of you know helping local businesses, talking about local businesses, what they're bringing, or, or local events that are happening, just caring about the city. And you know, no, nobody represents that more, embodies that more than than Hank Booth. And uh, that's something that I certainly try to take. I, I know it's a little different with with his show versus what we're doing here with Rock Chalk Sports Talk, but I do keep that in the back of my mind. About you know, I I do live here in Lawrence. I've lived here for you know at this point a decade, which is crazy for me to think about because I've never lived anywhere that long. Um, it, just the idea of impacting a community to that level and really caring about a community. Um, in so many different ways, right? Yeah. Um, it's easy well, for us to just get blinded by the community is KU and KU sports. It's really not. It, it's much more than that. Um, that's yeah. such a small piece of it. And, and I think that is such a good reminder with Hank. And I know there are a lot of people that, that love and, and will miss Hank. And I I know we will right here around uh, the station at KLWN. Yeah. And, and in a city like Lawrence, where you do have, you know, KU, where so many people come in and come out and whatnot, to have somebody devoted to the city devoted to the community for as long as he was mm-hmm. and and really truly cared uh is is just it was it was great to have and will be definitely very much missed. yeah he'd been calling Lawrence High football for 50 years think about all the state championships he called all the great coaches players that you know he broadcasted for at Lawrence High and uh we're gonna miss him come the fall as we do right now all right it's uh kind of tough to move on from that and get into like some sports content we're gonna try to do that right here uh again this is rock chalk sports talk <clears throat> on uh, KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. So, um, you know, I, I know Hank would want the show to go on. <laughs> Hank loves fall football, Friday night football. He loves high school Friday night football. I'm not sure what his thoughts were on the Friday night KU football <laughs> game, but that doesn't mean we are eight weeks out from the first KU football game as of today. Okay. Um, so we've been doing this series where, you know, like last week we did, well, the number nine, these are some other stats that deal with the number nine. So we're going to be doing uh, with eight weeks out, eight represents the number of interceptions that the KU quarterbacks threw last season between Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels, I guess, technically. And uh, with uh, the Vas- Vasco, didn't Vasco he didn't throw one, but he played 
So okay, you know, sure. For all the KU quarterbacks, they threw eight combined interceptions, and uh, Kansas State led the league with the least amount. They threw six. Texas threw the second least amount, which that actually kind of surprised me at seven, and then um, Kansas was tied third with the eight interceptions thrown. Is that a number where? Because I remember going into you the have season, to feel really good about that. Yeah, you would. If you if you guarantee me that number again, I think you feel great about it. But I'm almost wondering if that number is going to be higher this year. You think so? Yes. So, like, think about it from the standpoint. With first of all, a lot of Jason Bean's big plays were kind of like jump ball type plays that the KU receivers made great plays on. Yeah, you still have those receivers, but yeah. maybe those don't go as much your way. Or you know, with Jalen, there was a lot of thought based on the amount of interceptions he had in the final like three games he played in the year before and uh, from what you saw in like spring games or practices that he was more risk um I don't know more risk of a prone risk, I guess risk taker yeah at times that he could have well, more interceptions if you recall his first interception of the season against Tennessee Tech was thrown into like quadruple coverage. Uh, but then he did a great job there. I think the thing is, I don't. I'm not expecting it to be that much higher, if higher at all, because K is going to rely so heavily on their ground game, on their run game, and utilizing their their quarterback run as well. And if you think about it, you always hear the saying, "Where do most interceptions take place? Most interceptions happen on third down when you're in third down and long, or third down in obvious passing situations." And with KU's style of offense. They're probably not going to put themselves in a posi- in that position very often, right? I mean, if you can, if they can run the ball pretty successfully, they're hoping to get third and three, third and four, third and five more often than not. And when you have those types of situations, that's what limits a pass rush, which limits your quarterback being under duress, which limits him making more questionable decisions, you know, because of timing or whatever. So, I, I don't know. I, I I'm almost expecting that number to maybe be the same or maybe be a little bit higher, but I'm not expecting it to be a lot higher because. I do think KU is going to continue to rely heavily on their ground game to set them up for better situations in terms of managing the sticks. And when you do that, though, when you manage the sticks successfully, that's can really limit the situations where you would be put in to potentially throw in more interceptions. Uh, so I, I feel pretty confident that number is probably... And uh, Jalen Daniels, over the course of the season, uh, he, did a, he really did a good job, I thought, of... Avoiding making those mistakes of interceptions. Yeah, he had a couple bad ones, uh, but I think overall he did a pretty good job. So I almost expect that number to maybe be the same or a little bit lower. I don't know. It might. um, Overall, Kansas was, I think, plus two in turnovers last year, which, you know, that is actually— Historically speaking, incredible. Yeah, I mean, well— Yes. There was also the year a couple years ago where randomly they were like plus 15 and they still won like three games. <laughs> I do remember um, that actually, yeah. Most of it was the Rutgers game. Thank you, Art Sitkowski. <laughs> and um, what's funny is when you think back to a lot of before last year, KU's wins in Big 12 play, they involved some level of weirdness with turnovers, whether it was oh, like yeah. the Texas game where you beat them here in Lawrence, they had six turnovers in the overtime game. Yep. The TCU game, the butt fumble, where that's just like an unforced turnover. The TCU game where they block a field goal, pick it up, and then fumble it, right? Where there was weird turnover luck. You didn't really need that last year, which yeah. honestly, if it, 
that means like if you go into this year and you end up being like plus 12 or one of those teams that's like plus 15 plus 20 what does that mean for how good this team could be that could be pretty special but part of that is keeping your interceptions down I do think though that Jalen is one of those guys that like in practice he tests what he can get away with Patrick Mahomes does this too and then he knows his limits come game time he you know dials it down a little yeah I think circling back to that point about the turnover stuff is is yeah when you talk about KU winning in Big 12 play over the last you know besides last year it always needed to be KU had to play a perfect game and on top of that they needed some turnovers they needed their opponent to play poorly and that just doesn't feel like it's going to be the case anymore. That doesn't feel like you you don't need to play a perfect game to guarantee. Well, you don't need to play a perfect game and ha- and and have your opponent play like a D game just to try to win, right? The the win conditions for KU are much greater now than they have ever have been really coming into the season, I think. Uh, and so you're right. If 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 that's already the case where you feel better about the win conditions for KU already in conference play or, or against, you know, high-level opponents, and then you add on to the fact that, yeah, they can be a team that protects the football uh, like they did last year a little bit, and maybe Kobe Bryant has more interceptions and maybe they're able to force some more turnovers as well, and they do end up being like plus 5, plus 6, plus 10 even in turnover margin. I mean, that something like that can turn a 6-6 six and six team into an 8-4 and four team, yeah. into a 9-3 and three team. Uh, eight also represents basically the number of tackles for loss. Jeremy Robinson, he had eight and a half last season. That was second on the team to Lonnie Phelps. He also had three sacks, uh, which were third on the team. Uh, also, KU as a team was eighth in the Big 12 in sacks. So this is basically a number about the pass rush, about the the defensive line play, about how good Jeremy Robinson can be. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to be the question because uh, unfortunately in spring ball, we didn't really get a chance to see much of some of the transfers that KU brought in to help out in that area. Guys like Patrick Joyner didn't really get a chance. To, I don't even think he played at all in spring, to be honest, dealing with an injury. Uh, the kid from Minnesota, Gage Keys, as well. So uh, there is, I mean, Jamie Robinson's maybe the only, one of the only sort of known commodities you have, him and a guy like Hayden Hatcher, who Hatcher's never really been that real pass rushing threat type defensive end so Robinson's the only really known commodity you have for KU coming into this season and and yeah listen I mean the sort of the talk of this KU defense really ever since Lonnie Phelps declared for the draft was how do they fill that gap how do they fill that hole and the reality situation is we're probably not going to get a clear answer on that until kickoff eight weeks from now against Missouri State or even you know even beyond that of who are going to be who's going to be the guy slash guys that sort of steps in to fill that Lonnie Phelps, that Lonnie Phelps gap that was left when he decided to leave, and I still continue to believe that it's it's not going to be a one to one. It's not going to be Jamie Robinson puts up Lonnie Phelps numbers. I think it's going to be more of a Jamie Robinson puts up a little better numbers. Hayden Hatcher maybe gets a, a couple sacks in there. A couple of the grad, a couple of the transfers come in and, and get some sacks. So it's I think it's going to be more of a diffusion of the numbers across multiple guys to try to pick up the slack left by Lonnie Phelps, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jimmy Robinson's the guy is one of the only guys coming back where you you know what you might be getting from him when you still have question marks at other areas. So uh, I guess that makes you feel kind of better that at least you have one guy as a pass rusher that you have a decent sense of what he can potentially bring. But uh, that's that's I think that's going to be it's certainly going to be the storyline for the rest of the summer going into fall camp, and it's going to continue to be a storyline uh, probably throughout the rest of the season of what happens with KU's pass rush from week to week. Yeah, and uh, when you look at it, Jeremy Robinson played 440 snaps last year. That was 
Um, I, I guess like uh, among defensive linemen, Caleb Sampson played 609. Lonnie Phelps played 563, but he dealt with some injuries at points. Malcolm Lee played 561, and that was with kind of rotating with Jeremy Robinson. Uh, if you extrapolate out, if, if you figured Robinson could give you 600 snaps this year at defensive end, his numbers would prorate out to being like 11 and a half tackles for loss and four sacks. Those would be really good numbers. But those is be, that enough that when would, you're losing Lonnie Phelps? Solid numbers. Do you need even more? You know. Well, again, you, you might. might, depending on what some of your transfers bring to the table, and if you know other guys can step up. Yeah, but it might be. You might need more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like a part of it is the consistency too. I mean, you got 34 pressures out of Lonnie Phelps last season. Um, Jeremy Robinson had 15. So like there, there is a big difference there between the two of those. Yeah. Um. I do expect him to be a much better player. Like he, he was someone to me who it feels like the arrows pointed up into this year because it's about how his season went too. Where like he got even better as the back half of the year went on. Yeah, that I do was expect it him the to play Baylor really game well. Where he had a huge game against Baylor. Yeah, he had yeah. like the fumble recovery, the strip sack fumble recovery, and then almost brought it back. So yeah, man, I I expect him to be really good, but uh, can he be to that level of what you've had the last two years with Lonnie Phelps and Kyron Johnson? Uh, the KU pass defense was eighth in yards allowed per pass, which better than the 10th place spot they were in yards allowed per run. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. That's that's a little surprising to me, given what we expect of this secondary, because that's not yeah, total I mean, yards. That's yards per pass. Yeah, I guess you could maybe say it speaks to the fact that the KU pass rush did what, you know, wasn't fantastic. Uh, which tied eighth in sacks. Yeah, which leads you to more opportunities for letting a quarterback sit back and kind of dissect the defense. I mean, how and much? I mean, of the it, longer you have to play pass coverage, the worse it is. How much of it too is most often KU? If it was third down for the opposing team, it might have been third and three or third and four, as opposed to third and eight, where you can't really get as exotic with your coverages because they might just run the ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I and honestly, I go back to like the Oklahoma game. They got a ton of big plays in that game specifically as well. I wonder uh, if you took that game out if they jumped if would, to like sixth or something. It would drop know? a little bit. It, it might. It might, right? I mean, Marvin Mims had a couple of huge plays in that game, so maybe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the KU defense was not very good last year, but they were quite a bit better than they what they were the year before. And so if you can take any sort of step forward this year with your secondary being pretty much completely intact returning – uh, maybe that helps you lower this number a little bit to where you don't give up as many yards per pass if you can lock them down a little bit more on the outsides and you've got Kenny Logan and O.J. Burroughs on the back half. That makes you feel a little bit better about trying to shut down opponents and not giving up a ton of yards when opposing quarterbacks are throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. But does that does that give you any trepidation about the thoughts of how good this secondary is? Because we're viewing uh, I, it as I don't the know. strength I mean, of the defense. I think, uh, well, I think when, like, okay, let's think about this. When you look at Kobe Bryant, his strength is not, lo- right now at least, today, his strength is not locking guys down. It's making big plays, making interceptions. Melo Dotson was a consistent player last season on the other side, and actually there's been quite a bit of buzz about him being pretty solid too. But, uh, you know, and then when you look in the secondary, O.J. Burroughs as a cover guy was – that's kind of what he was known for, but uh, and then Kenny Logan kind of just a, more of a jack of all trades type safety, I guess, doing a lot of different stuff. So it's not like it's not like the secondary for KU is 
lockdown, but that is where you have some of your more athletic players, some of your more veteran players, some of your guys that can make more of an impact this season. So I think it's it's less of when we say the secondary is the strength of the defense, I think it's less about like well, we expect them to, you know, lock up every receiver they face and more about that's where your veteran leadership is, that's where your guys that might make big impacts are, and that could be important for the defense. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to look up that OU stat, by the way, so I'll give you an update on that. That Here's another one, though. Kansas, who was first, was just over 8% better than second place, which was Iowa State, oddly enough, on third down conversions. Yeah, that circles back to uh, the comment I made earlier about Kansas utilizing their run game very, very well and managing the six very, very well. Because when you have Devin Neal and then briefly Daniel Highshaw before he before his injury – and Jalen Daniels, and then Jason Bean, guys that are really, really solid runners that can get you four or five yards a carry. It's Listen, it's it's simple math. If you have third and four, you're going to convert that more often than third and six, than third and eight. And that's what KU was able to do a lot of last season, and that's why they were so successful on third down. And I, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't expect that to continue this season. I mean, You've got the entire offensive line back except for one guy. You've got Devin Neal back. You've got Jalen Daniels back. You're going to have Daniel Highshaw, Savion Morrison, uh, Dylan McDuffie as well as more of a, a power guy. Like You should be able to continue to do what you did last season if you're, if you're the KU offense in terms of setting yourselves up with second and five, second and six, and then third and three, third and two, third and fours. And, and again, it's, uh, it's, it's simple. If you have that instead of third and eight, third and nine, you're going to have a higher first down percentage and you're going to be more successful and that was maybe one of the most underrated parts of the keys to success for KU's offense last season and again I I don't see any reason why you wouldn't expect that to continue uh, this season for Kansas because with Jalen Daniels fully healthy I mean listen when he came back like you look at like the K-State game he wasn't fully healthy for K-State was he I don't think he was I don't think so no and then you look at the Arkansas game and look what happened KU you know went crazy basically on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm expecting Jalen Daniels to to come out this season and be confident running the ball and not be nervous about it at all. Uh and then adding in, you know, Devin Neal and everything else. This is this is an offense for KU that I expect to be top one, two, three again in third down percentage because that was one of their strengths last year, and I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be a strength again this year. Yeah, the question for me becomes, you were up so much on second place, do you revert back to the mean a little bit? Also, though, a lot of those numbers were just built on what they did in the non-con. In Big 12-only play, they were closer to being with the pack, so maybe that's not something to worry Which, about. That, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, I, I took out the Oklahoma game on the pass defense, and they went from eighth in yards allowed per pass to eighth in yards allowed per pass <laughs> because there was they did the numbers got nice. better, but there was a big gap between them and seventh, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and here's the last one here: Kansas ranked eighth in fourth down conversion percentage, which on its own does not seem to add up. Like you would think, if you're a great third down team, you'd be a great fourth down team too, right? Like you would think those would be very <laughs> similar. Here's the problem for me: uh, this this they were only ninth in fourth down tries. They had 33 less fourth down tries than Texas Tech, who was first. Um, and then when you make matters worse, the KU defense gave up 68% conversion on fourth downs, which was by far the most in the league. There were five teams, including KU, that basically had a negative percentage of 
So basically, they gave up more fourth down conversions yes. than they got. Yeah. So like, if you allowed opponents to convert sixty percent, but you converted forty, you'd be minus twenty in yeah. this created metric or number or whatever <laughs> you want to say. Uh, Iowa State and Texas were minus three. So basically about even. Oklahoma was minus nine. And then both Oklahoma State and Kansas were minus 20%. So you're not taking them a lot. Yeah. You're giving them up too much. And you're not getting them enough. That was a problem. Yeah. And, and again, that was kind of a common thread of situations where KU had fourth down and what looked like maybe you might go for it and instead opting to punt or kick a field goal or whatever. So maybe a bit of a lack of aggressiveness uh, and you wonder if Lance Leipold and Andy Kolnicki might be more aggressive this season. I think a lot of KU fans would like to see that. And I think it makes sense, right? I mean, if you have a chance to get a first down, or if you have a chance, you know, late in the game to get a first, <coughs> excuse me, to get a first down late in the game, and everyone believes that your offense is the best unit you have of the three units, why wouldn't you put your best unit on the flo- on the field to try to end the game or whatever the situation may be, continue the game? Yeah. So I, I I would hope that maybe they are a little bit more aggressive uh, this season. And Andy Kolnicki, to me, seems like the type of coach that would be wanting to be more aggressive. So that seems like maybe it's a, a Lance Leipold thing that well, maybe he didn't want to do it as much. But again, I think when you've got one, when you've got that unit that is so clearly the best unit you have, why wouldn't you want your best unit on the field trying to make a play? Your best player is your best unit. Yep. So that's something where, you know, let's say you do end up throwing a couple more interceptions this year or the third down conversion percentage just go down a little bit. You can make up ground in areas where if you did lose a little bit there in this area or if those other numbers stay the same or get better and this gets way better. Yeah, that's a way to move up your win total from uh, last year to next year. Uh, we're going to take a time out. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, depending on. Coming up at 425, Jake Hatch going to help us preview BYU. That's KU's week four opponent as we uh, have been going through all their upcoming opponents' early previews. Uh, We're going to do another dumb, stupid, fun, enjoyable draft where we draft things into teams. These are a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, this week what we're doing, it's the MLB draft this weekend, MLB All-Star. We want to do something centered around the MLB, right? I mean, it's literally a draft. Yes. MLB draft. Exactly. Yeah, we're doing our MLB draft, (laughs) but I think ours is going to be more enjoyable than the actual MLB draft. Yeah. Um, So basically what we're drafting, we're going to do football teams, the same as last week, head coach, quarterback, running back, receiver, offensive and defensive line, linebacker, defensive back. It'll be eight picks each, serpentine draft, and we are drafting MLB team names. Yeah, so like not the mascot that dresses yes, up. Yes, like, not like the, so like, the, like the if you draft, fanatic. Like if you, you draft know? the Orioles, you literally get the bird. Yes, Orioles. you get a bird. Yes. If you draft the Tampa Bay Rays, you get you a ray. get stingray. Right? Yes. And those animals or creatures or humans or whatever they are is how you fill up your football team. Make sense? Yes. Yep. You have the first pick. Makes sense. Oh, we were just talking during the break, and you weren't giving away anything. No. Which was really annoying. Poker face. Uh, so, I've been going through this, and it to me, it feels like when we've done these drafts, the quarterback position has been the most difficult, slash the one where maybe there's been, like, it's been tough to pick. And I've been looking at the MLB teams, and I only see, I don't see very many really great options for quarterback. So I'm just going to go quarterback first pick. I'm going to take the Texas Rangers as mm. my quarterbacks. Listen, they're fast shooting. They got pistols, you know, bang, bang, bang. They shoot pistols. They're accurate. They're okay. accurate with the pistols. I think it's a phenomenal, fantastic pick. They're elite. 
great accuracy, mm -hmm. incredible quickness, quick release, perfect quarterback. So I'm glad you did that because I did not have Rangers. I, I had three other quarterbacks. I think they're actually not a lot of difference between the quarterback options in this draft. So I have okay. the opposite view. So I'm glad you did that for a value perspective. Okay. I actually had Ranger as my top linebacker. I Why? thought because they, they're used to running stuff down and like, you know, lassoing it or tackling it. That's what <laughs> that's what they do. They're they're herding sheep. They're right. No, that's but they're, what a ranger but they, they're quick. They're, they're, they're getting accurate. criminals. Linebacker. They're quick dude. and accurate. You messed no. up with quarterback. Quarterback. All right. So now I have my first two picks. This team is like the worst team in the MLB. They don't spend any money, but it is a great pick for yeah, this see, draft. That's what I thought you were going to do. The Oakland Athletics. Yeah. That yeah. means I'm getting the most athletic person ever. I'm going to draft the Athletics for a receiver. Yeah, I should have taken the Athletics, I think. I should have. I, and, and with, I, I didn't know if they were going to fall or not. Well, the beauty of them being athletic is you can play them any position. Probably wouldn't want to play them like on the offensive or defensive line. I don't love the options at receiver in this draft. I really don't, but I do with yeah. the Athletics. Yeah. I love having the Athletics. I have guys who are, at this point, if you're athletic, that means you're fast, you can jump high, uh, you probably have good measurables. Yeah. Athletics at receiver. Boom. Nailed yeah, that's, that's it. That's a good first pick. pick. That should have been the first pick. I should have taken the athletics. Yeah. Yes, it should have. And then we are going to go with my. Hmm. Now oh, I guess I could do that one. Uh, I'm going to go with my defensive line pick. And, and this is, uh, you know, uh, where my heart is as well. So it works out in two ways. The okay. San Francisco Giants. So we have mm, Giants okay. on the defensive line. I To me, the Giants profile to me more is a better offensive line pick. I think there are two obvious offensive line picks. I'm going to take one of them. Okay. So you're done? You're good? I'm good. Right, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm go loving with, it. With I get the Bay Area. I'm, I'm going to go with my offensive line pick, the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. So I that's, get the, that's I get the mountains. I get literally mountains. Now, one thing I will say here, this is on a football field, so you only get to chisel off the piece of the mountains that fit into the football field. That's fine. It, it will cover fine, up the yeah. whole field. They're mountains. But I have giants, so they can jump over them. Here's the problem with the Rockies. They can't move. <laughs> no, that's not true. They can move. How? They're what mountains. What do you mean how? They're mountains. You ever heard of earthquakes or shifting tectonic okay, plates? So if there's, if they can move. And how long does that take over years? Centuries? For them to move inches? No, because here's how it works. You take a chunk of the mountain of the Rockies, and then they can, like, or maybe I, like, put them on wheels and they can roll around or no. something. I think I am conceding to you that I will not be able to rush your quarterback. I, there's no way. <laughs> I also, though, you are not, like, blocking anyone past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Screen plays out the door. Uh, getting to the second level and blocking linebackers, nope, ain't happening. So, you know, right. if that's what you want to go with, that's fine. No, I, Immovable I, things that can't move, that's a problem. How are we going to even keep playing the game? How are we going to get them off the field? That's what I'm saying. You put them on you put them on wheels or something so you can at least roll them around. Okay. Uh, what's your something. next pick? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, for my next pick. So I got offensive line and I got quarterback. Mm -hmm. mm. All right, I'm going to go with an interest. I'm going to go with an interesting one here. Okay. I'm going to go running back. My running back is going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm. Okay? So we looked up the history of the Dodgers. The reason they're called the Dodgers is because when they were in Brooklyn, they were, they were the trolley Dodgers. Okay? What do you have to do to be a trolley Dodger? You got to be quick. You got to be agile. You got to be shifty. You got to be pew, 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 pew. You got to go in between, you know, all around. Elite level running back. Great agility. Fantastic vision. 
give me the the, Brooklyn, the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is your best pick. This this could have been your first. I I had this as a uh, clearly top three ranking for me. I thought it yes. was the clear number one running back. Yes, if you absolutely. didn't put Athletics at running back, but yep. even then you could argue Dodger Dodgers is the better for the running backs. Like you said, yep. very agile player. So I actually do love that pick. Yep. For once. Okay, I have back to back picks now. That was going to be one of them. So I, I won't do that anymore here. Um, let's go to my offensive line. I I'm just. A little afraid that you would take this as the defensive line. That's why I'm taking it, even though I know you can't take another offensive lineman. Uh, Guardians. Ah, that's, so, a good, that's a pretty good D-line. I mean, they're uh, literally... O-line no, it's offensive line. Yeah, yeah O-line, yeah, O-line. They're, yeah. they're literally called Guardians. They guard people, right? Yep. You might be wondering, what is the Cleveland Guardian? Well, what they are, it's based on these... They have these, Don't they like, have statues in the city? Yeah, they have these statues in the city that are called, like, Highway Guardians that basically, they're these giant... Um, Giant, like, just basically giants, like, uh, like Greek statues, people, yeah. stone statues that are holding cars, which tells me, <laughs> well, think about how gigantic they are. If they're oh, yeah. holding a car in their hands and they're used to guarding stuff. So I, I love having guardians on the offensive line. Um, and then my next pick, um, I, I told you off air before the draft, to me, there was a very clear top six in the draft. Okay. Those top six, in some order, were the A's, Guardians, Giants, Dodgers. Um, I don't remember the other. Oh, the Rangers was was one of them, but I had them in a different position. The sixth one to me is the Angels. Mm. I'm going to make the Angels my defensive back. Defensive oh, backs. Oh, defensive backs. Right. Okay. So they can, they, can, that. they can fly. They can float. They can get up high in the air. They can come down. with Like if you throw a 50-50 ball, if you throw a Hail Mary ball, guess who's getting the Hail Mary ball? <laughs> The angels. See, I don't agree with that, though, because there's plenty of birds that can also fly. Who are you taking? A bird with that's two feet big, or are you taking a human angel? I know what I, I'm yeah, I don't I don't love that pick, to be honest. I love that pick. Especially that is a great value pick. <laughs> I don't care what you say. You have back to back. Uh okay. Now, another one we had a discussion about at wide receiver that we weren't sure if it would be really great or really bad that I'm thinking about. <laughs> The Miami Marlins. Yes. Okay. Think about the think about the Marlins. They can swim really, really fast and maneuver really, really quickly through the defense. Mm-hmm. They can jump really high out of the water. Yeah, and once again, the but, same thing we did last week. We're you know suspending disbelief. Yeah, yeah, like we're yeah, gonna let the yeah, Marlin breathe yeah, on air. Yeah. And yeah. Now, but the key with the, the thing about the Marlin here is, and this could be viewed as a positive or a negative, they got the long sword like thing where they can stab the ball to catch it, but then does that ruin the game? Right. Do we run out of footballs? What happens if the spear like goes into one of my players and you murder one of my players? Do you uh, listen, go to jail? I'm going to do it. I'm don't. taking the Marlins okay. as my wide receivers. Give me the Marlins as my wide receivers. Again, no hands. They got a spear thing that they can stab the ball with. But it leaves you it. with a lot less margin for error. Where Your quarterback better be darn accurate. He, I got the Rangers. Okay. They carry the most accurate pistols in the West. All right. They All right. got... <laughs> they can shoot it right at right to the Marlins. Perfect. Do another it's pick. A perfect combo. All right. For my next pick, uh, I think I'm gonna go to the D line here, and I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Tampa Bay Rays as my D line. Okay. I would love to hear an explanation on this. Okay. Think about the Rays. They can sting. They're big. They're generally pretty big. Take up a lot of space. They're wide and flat, so they can just you know. They're like, how tall are they? You no, they're big rays, large rays. 
how will they? Okay. Like a, like a manta ray? Those I have so huge. many questions here. I'm just going to I'm gonna let you fizzle out on that one. Um, oh, that's a great pick. Okay. <laughs> I'll just step over them. <laughs> anyway. Dude, the manta ray can be up to 30 feet wide. Wide, but like. 30 feet long. It's just going to get stepped on. No, it's not. It's like three inches tall. It can like, you know, flop and then use its stinger to stab the. Again, that's the murder. That is not football. <laughs> I, I I see no problem with this pick okay. because the stinger is going to be like, it's going to be like on the D line where they stick out their arms and they just, you know, clothesline. It's okay. great. That's fine. All right. I have back-to-back picks here. I'm going to take my linebacker pick. Pirates. Mm, Pittsburgh that's a, Pirates. Yeah, that's a good one. They're going to be good in pass coverage, too. They're good at stealing things, getting interceptions. Uh, they're crafty. They're a little bit dirty, but sometimes you want defensive players who are going to be a little bit dirty. You know, stick a finger in somebody's eye in the in the, yeah. the pile. No, that's fair. Um, they're going to do that. They're going to be mean. They're going to be cunning. Um, they're good at, like, you know, jumping in the air, like swinging off ropes and stuff. I like the Pirates in a linebacker. And then we're going to go with our uh, running back pick here. I'm going to go with Tigers as yeah. my running back pick. I th- which which Tigers? The Detroit Tigers. Okay. Are there Wait. multiple Tigers? Uh, I thought there was, but no, there's not. No, never okay. mind. I lied. Uh, the Detroit Tigers. So now I have a Tiger. I mean, we know Tigers are they're fast. They're agile. They're big still. They can pounce. They can yep. jump. Yep. Tigers, a powerful bean to have at running back. That's tough because I was going to take the Tigers as my linebackers. Mm. Too bad. Unfortunate. Uh, so I'm actually going to go with another pick for linebackers that, now that I think about it, may actually be better. The Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers. <laughs> they drink beer. Better? They drink beer and they're drunk and they are, you know, unruly. And then they tackle you. <laughs> but if they're drunk, they're just going to make a mess of it. You're not going to be able to call plays for them. You're going, they're going to be stumbling no, all over the a, field. This is a home run pick. What? This is a home run pick. They're going to be... Think, dude, this you is ever the seen a worst drunken, pick you have ever had. You ever seen a had. bar fight? This they, is the they worst are, they're, pick. They're unstoppable. They have unlimited motor. You know motors. how many penalties they're going to get? They have unlimited motor. They just keep going forever. They're going to get they so many penalties. You. No, they're not. And they're they, they're, they're impervious to pain. Oh, my they gosh. They just keep tackling. It's great. That is the worst pick you ever... You should go... Next next media availability, you should tell Lance Leipold, hey, <laughs> have you thought about with the linebackers just getting them drunk <laughs> and seeing how they play? <laughs> I think it's genius. Okay. They're impervious to pain. I had that in they the, are, uh, I, I made a category called vendor, and I put brewers in there <laughs> on my draft board. So congratulations. That's your linebacker. I think it's a great pick. Okay. <laughs> All right. In my secondary, which is the last thing I think I, I need, a, need a head coach, a head too. coach too. Uh, in the secondary, I feel like I need to go for a bird here. I think I'm going to go with the car- the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals are very, very aggressive birds. Okay? And they're very territorial birds. So they're great in zone coverage. Elite zone coverage, actually. And they're very aggressive. They attack people. And, uh, and, and they like to be left alone. So if anybody comes in their zone, that's just going to make them mad. They're just going to go on the attack and make plays and knock the ball away. Give me okay. the St. Louis Cardinals in my second. So. <sighs> what? What's your deal? Nick, do you know how big a cardinal is? I don't care. A cardinal is about seven to nine inches on average. Do you know how big a football is? <laughs> they just need to knock it away. It is 11 inches. They just need to knock it away. No, the football is going why, to knock the bird away I don't understand why you, you're like, well, we need to suspend disbelief, and then you want to come out with all these facts. Disbelief of some stuff. Yeah, well, you're not getting... 
You don't get to draft Cardinals that are 10 feet tall. You get what they are. The measurables are part of this. You just drafted a thing that is under a <laughs> foot tall. No, I think it's a great pick because, again, they're aggressive territorial birds. It could put its wing on the ball and it's not going to affect it. Yes, it would. No. Oh, yeah, easily. Oh, my gosh. Easily. Horrible. Horrible. I'd have back-to-back picks. Um, let's go with my uh, head coach first. I'm going to take the Astros as in astronauts. Mm. So uh, we know astronauts are smart. You got to be smart <clears throat> to go to space. True. Know yep. all the, I don't know, physics and, and that Astronaut sort of stuff. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be my head coach. They're going to devise a uh, really good offense. They're going to be in it, into analytics, which I'm going to appreciate. That'll be good. And then I need uh, a quarterback for my last pick, which normally you don't draft quarterback last. But I thought there was enough, and especially after you took it first, I thought there was enough value here. To me, I don't think there's that big of a difference in, I had a bunch of quarterback options. Ranger could have been one. I had a linebacker, but obviously you did. I don't know if there's that big of a difference like a Yankee. A Yankee is just like a patriotic person who I envision like was in the militia in the war. You have a, you have a, a Philly which is basically a, a person from Philadelphia. Nationals. They all grow up playing football, right? A national, right? Um, I'm going to go with a Yankee at quarterback because I feel like, I don't know. I, I just They have hands at least. They can probably throw a ball. Uh, there's something there. Sure. We'll just go with that. Okay. Well, I have the clear advantage at quarterback then. Definitely. Okay, sure. Easily. Maybe. All right. So now I just have my head coach pick, right? Mm-hmm. My head coach, uh, we actually we mentioned we mentioned this team off air about the head coaches, San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. They are priests, I believe, so they can pray and influence the game via God, and uh, you know. But I have angels. That doesn't matter. Angel is above priest. Yeah, but they're in your. They're not even. They're not your coach though, so that doesn't matter. No, but basically, my angel. So in theory. An angel could hear the prayer that your priest on is the giving. Field trying to defend a yes, path so I'm going to be able to read your coach's mind. How does that Only make you your feel? secondary? And yeah, that, and that doesn't problem. include and that doesn't include my my players on the field. Why can't my secondary just relay the information to the rest of the players? <laughs> the, the, like, hey, works. I write. They're running to the right. <laughs> you know, and then when they're on I don't the field, think that's how that works. They're going to know exactly what routes your guys are running. No, I don't think that's how that works. I think it is. No. Okay. That is good luck. Good luck. Uh, your team, head coach, Padre, quarterback, Ranger, running back, Dodgers, receiver, Marlins, offensive line, Rockies, defensive line, Rays, linebacker, Brewers, defensive backs, Cardinals. For me, head coach, astronaut, quarterback, Yankee, running back, Tigers, receiver, athletics, offensive line, Guardians, defensive line, Giants, linebacker, Pirates, defensive back, Angels. So my immediate reaction to this is both of our teams have much better offenses than defenses, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I think this would be a high-scoring game. I sure. I uh, I, I have real questions about your team, just all over. <laughs> the linebackers are drunk. The Rays are two inches tall. <laughs> the Cardinals are a foot They're big. Thirty feet wide. The Marlins have no hand catching They're thirty passes, feet wide. And my Angels read your head coach's mind. Good luck. All right. No, this is an easy W for my team. Did you have any uh, that we left out? Any that we should have got to? Um. I did have Royals as like a third head coaching option. Yeah, I didn't really know what to do with the Royals. I thought Royals would maybe be a good quarterback because they okay. could lead, like they're royal. Yeah, that would make sense. Leaders. I thought uh, uh, the Diamondbacks. I had as a I linebacker. Know, I thought yeah, they could strike you. They're yeah, quick. I wasn't really 100 sure enough. where to put them. I thought twins for offensive line. You just get a bunch of twins. Like they always <laughs> say, twins can like have telepathy almost without even knowing it. 
yeah. That'd be good on the offensive line, have that continuity, you know? Yeah, could be. Uh, and then, did we ever determine what a Mets is or what a Met a is? Metropolitan. Uh, it's just a person who like so, lives in a city, I guess. Maybe if they're if they live in the New York subway, they're like they're gruff, they're tough. Maybe they're a linebacker. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just okay. spitballing. I'm just spitballing here. All right, that is our uh, draft. We'll put up that poll pretty shortly at RCST thirteen twenty. You can vote on who you think would win the game. Definitely. He's Nick team. Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Nick Marsh is making his decision any minute now. We'll try to bring it to you uh, coming up at the top of the four o'clock hour on KLWN. Depend on it. We're going to be joined by Jake Hatch. Uh, does BYU pre and post game on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone to uh, help preview the BYU game that'll be week four for KU as we're going through early previews of all the Jayhawk football games one a week and uh, we'll get to their next game against UCF next week the Texas game after that but BYU on today's show in about 20 minutes from right now we've also got another fun game there's a Taylor Swift concert going on tonight and tomorrow night at Arrowhead in Kansas City we're gonna play a game with Nick Taylor Swift ex-boyfriend or Find out what the or is coming up later in the <laughs> what? show. What? <laughs> yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, and then uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock, too, we uh, are going to talk some uh, sports stock market. And uh, we're, we're still waiting on the Nick Marsh decision. I, I know I said we'd have something for you at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. I believe the decision was supposed to be at 4. Maybe that's just when he started having people in the building or something like that. I don't know. Um, nonetheless, I guess I am on lie detector test because we do not at the moment have something to talk about with Nick Marsh. We will keep an eye on it and see if anything does pop up and if we do eventually have something to talk about with Nick Marsh. But as of now, we do not. So we are going to get in to another edition of lie detector test where we tell you if somebody, sports figure, famous figure, actor, like actress, whatever is lying. It seems like you're lying. You're on lie detector test. I am because I, I thought Nick Marsh was going to be announcing and it hasn't happened yet. So unfortunate by me. That is unfortunate. Okay. Uh, first up on lie detector test, which I feel like when I say the name of this person, you're just going to automatically say, yes, they're lying. <laughs> Mayor Eric Adams. Dude, this guy? What's <laughs> Again, he doing now? Your villain, Mayor Eric Adams. He uh, apparently claimed that he carried around a photo of an officer friend who died in the line of duty in 1987. But it now turns out that the picture was printed off of Google by AIDS in the wake of the mayor's claim and stained with coffee to make it look older. What? Yes. What so he claimed it and they're like, we better make it so that this this is real, so that he doesn't get caught. Now dude, he's been caught. Well, first so this of all, isn't even, dude, it's, this isn't even a question. 1987 is like, that's, it's, that's I mean... I thought it was going to be like from the way, even way back beyond that. In 1987, I mean, what are we doing? That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And so this is this is uh, clearly a lie, obviously, but I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Yeah, this is this is terrible. To wax poetic about New York's mayor who hates Kansas. Yeah, Mayor Eric Adams is uh this guy, he's he doesn't understand that the there is a world that exists outside of new out of Outside of a hardy toady New York City. Yeah, there's another there's a whole other world out there, and it's way better than New York City. Okay. Oh, I'm the mayor Eric Adams. I only think New York City exists. No, you're an idiot. Do you think he'll be reelected? As mayor? Yes. I don't know. I don't pay attention to New York City politics. Maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should run against him. I'd make a great mayor. Would you vote for me if I ran for mayor? Uh, depends who you're running against. 
Dude, Most okay, no. Listen, back in my junior year of high school, there was a thing called Boys State. It's a like like Boise State. No, like Boys State. The Broncos. State. Everyone, kids from around the state you of have Kansas a blue field? go and they do like a they they do like a simulated government experiment type thing. So it's a way for high school kids to get involved with understanding how government politics work. Okay. When I did that, I was um, I was the mayor of my city. Okay. I ran for mayor and I won. Well, congratulations. So I'm already, I already have experience. Put it on your resume. I already have mayoral experience. <laughs> How about this, though? Uh, another Eric Adams story. Roger Sherman, who I forget who he writes for now, but uh, he apparently told a story on Twitter about when Adams said his favorite concert was the one where Curtis Mayfield was hit with falling equipment and permanently paralyzed, saying it was a great show before that, except people looked it up and the accident happened before he had even started playing. What? So this guy's just addicted to lying for like no specific reason. Yeah, this dude's which, so annoying. Which honestly, he lies and then he and then he goes after Kansas for no reason. I was just gonna say like, though, does why? That, does that make it better? Like, the like fact why that pick this a guy, fight with Kansas? Well, no, hold on. The fact and that I'm gonna defend Kansas. That this guy lies about everything. Yeah. And he was picking on Kansas. Doesn't that make put Kansas in a better light? Yes, hundred percent. Because you got some clown face who. Thinks that he can just pick on Kansas and thinks that nobody lives in Kansas, so it's fine. No one cares. Well, guess what, Mr. Idiot Head? I care. Okay? You're Perfect. stupid. You right. suck. The uh, the Action Network power ratings are on lie detector tests. Should this be a lie? Um, the number of games projected as a favorite this season, according to those power rankings on Action Network. Um... Alabama's favorite in all 12 games. No surprise there. Georgia, all 12. Michigan, all 12. Makes sense. Washington, all 12. That that sounds surprising in the same Uh, conversation as those, but then you're like... Is Michael Penix back? Yeah, he's back. They've got like a first-team All-American receiver back, and it's like, well, Pac-12 is not like crazy. I don't even know if they have USC on the schedule, so like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Okay, sure, yeah. There's one on here that you're like, wait, what? Louisville. Who? Louisville. (laughs) What? How is that even possible? So they obviously must not play Clemson Which, or Florida State or like who else? I mean, I mean, listen. So Louisville went it eight makes and five sense last year. The ACC stinks. I mean, those boys stink. So it, it's it like, sure, I can maybe understand it, but they, uh, th- th- what's their schedule? They have to play somebody that's semi decent. I mean, Louisville's not even a top twenty team. Mm-hmm. Do uh, do you want to hear the schedule? Yes, I do. Well, actually, do I? I don't know. Why not? Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Okay. Neutral site. Fine. Uh, Murray State. Okay. Georgia Tech's in Atlanta. So they can claim it's a neutral site, but it's not really. Okay. That's fine. Uh, Murray State. And then... uh, W. Yeah. And then uh, Indiana being played in Indianapolis. Why are they playing a bunch of neutral site games? Wonderful question. What the... Uh, What? Boston College at home. Boston College stinks. At NC State. I, I feel like favorite NC State's my like, favorite yeah. in that game. Notre Dame at home. What? <laughs> How does that even make sense? I don't know, dude. Uh, at Pittsburgh. Fine. Duke at home off a of bye. Sure. Virginia Tech at home. Okay. Virginia at home. What? Dude, play a game, a, a true road game. At Miami. Thank you. Wait, they're not favoring against Miami. Is Miami supposed to be bad? I guess. Miami was bad last year. And then Kentucky at home. They could be underdogs in the Kentucky game, the Miami game, the Notre Dame Dame game, the 
I don't know. That's the weird NC to State me. State game. So should we take the over on Louisville wins? Is that like a guaranteed bet? No, I think you should take the under on Louisville wins. Oh, you think this is gonna be the opposite? Yeah. But what is even their over under? It's probably like nine, I, I would think, or eight. At that point, if they're favored in all those games, it should be it's eight and a half. Okay. I don't know, man. That's tough. Uh, for what it's worth, that there are a bunch of other schools with with eleven, ten, and nine on there. Um, I don't know if anybody else stands out to you. North Texas being nine is kind of weird to me, but yeah. Especially since they're moving up to the American. Maybe put those power ratings in the trash. Although Kansas actually ranks pretty well in, in the those bang. compared to like other ones. Oh, okay. So, so they're great then. May- they're, <laughs> they're perfect ranking. They're perfect. Uh, Tom Cruise is on lie detector test. He wants to keep making Mission Impossible movies until he's Harrison's, Harrison Ford's age. He said, I've got 20 years to catch up with him. Dude, why? Which Harrison Ford why? is uh, 80 and Tom Cruise is 61. So is Tom Cruise... I just don't gonna, understand why. I don't bro. mean to be I don't crass, understand why. Like, like, dude, you're a very, very famous actor. Mm-hmm. You have made more money than you will ever know what to do with or spend for the rest of your life, okay? Just ride off into the sunset, go build yourself a mansion on an island, and live out the rest of the years happily. Mm-hmm. Listen... You're Tom Cruise. You put your body on the line. You do your own stunts. Nobody questions that, how great you are at acting and, t- and doing your own stunts and crap like that. I just don't understand why you wouldn't. I mean, you've already made so much money that your great great grandkids are going to be still fine. Mm-hmm. Just go retire and enjoy your life. I don't. I don't understand doing this at all. Okay. Um, I've never understood no, I- actors or people that like this that just want to that have already made a lot of money that just want to keep. Doing it. I mean, I sort of get. I don't think it's about the money. Is it it's like about, an ego thing? No, I don't, I don't think understand. it's an ego thing. It's just they have fun doing it. It's just you know part of who they are. They'd be bored if they weren't doing something. I get that. It's the same way that you see college football coaches, uh, some guys who coach into their seventies or early eighties, right? It's just they they don't know what else to do. Those guys aren't making like hundreds of millions of dollars. But I don't think it's about the money. I don't think it's about the money. It's it's what you're doing with your time. It's it's what your purpose is out there. That sort of thing. My question here though is this: like Harrison Ford doesn't do his own stunts. Tom Cruise does. It, like, I don't mean to be crass, but is Tom Cruise going to, like, die filming a movie? That would be bad. Yeah. That would not be good. But then again, that's probably what he would love. I don't know. He, maybe. maybe that's what he wants, honestly, deep down. He doesn't want to have a normal person, you know, kind of death. Okay. Um, lie detector test. Lions quarterback, J- cornerback, Jerry Jacobs. He said on Jared Goff. He's really top five in the NFC. Everybody sleeps on my dog. I can't wait for him to go out and prove everybody wrong. Okay. So, on its face, this feels like a lie. It does. But NFC, I'm going to tell know. you it's the truth. You know why? Because the NFC stinks. They stink. They're terrible. After Jalen Hurts, you've got just bad Worse right. and even more like, worse. Are we sure Dak Prescott is better than Jared Goff? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, exactly. I'd take Jared Goff over Daniel Jones. I'd take him over whatever Washington's throwing out there. Taylor uh, Heineke. I don't think he's with them anymore. Derek Carr somewhere. is probably Sam just Howell. by default a top five. Is Jared Goff and Derek Carr, they're, they're pretty they're similar. They're pretty similar. Um, Kirk Cousins, like he's pretty similar too. Jordan Love, unproven. Justin Fields, Hasn't Maybe. figured it out yet. Maybe. Maybe he will be. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Buccaneers, I don't know. Baker Mayfield? Like, no. <laughs> uh, Panthers, Bryce Young might be automatically just by, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how long of a learning curve so, is. So, on its face, this feels like a lie. Falcons, no. But I think it might be I think it's true. The truth. Dude. Maybe. Yeah. He put up really good numbers. I, I, 
I mean, he obviously had a couple really good years with the Rams, and a lot of people just chalked it up to, and maybe deservedly so, to it was all Sean McVay, and I think the big reason why was the Super Bowl that, you know, it didn't go well against the, the Patriots, that it was a clear indication, but this is what he did with the Lions last year. 4,400 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Like, he was a really that's, good quarterback That's pretty last solid, year. yeah. So I don't think that's, that's crazy of a thing to say, for sure. So I, I don't think it is a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Darius Slayton was asked about being a wide receiver run, one. He said, I wouldn't say it bothers me because everybody doesn't know what I know. He told Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post, everybody is not in the Giants building. At the end of the day, you can only judge based on what you see from afar. Okay. Everybody's not in the Giants building. True. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yeah. Not everybody is in the Giants building. I wouldn't say it bothers me. Uh, That seems like a lie. Okay. That seems like a lie. So I'm confused. Is he saying... Is he saying he's not a wide receiver one, or is he saying he's he saying is a he wide is a receiver one. one? But he might be just saying I'm the receiver one here, you know, which that Listen, is true. Because everybody doesn't know what I know. Also true. You can't know. You can't. Everybody can't know what you know. True. Factual. Fine. I just. I just. Uh, I don't know. This feels like this feels like coping to me. Okay. I think so too. I think there's parts of this that are live, parts of it that are not. Last one here. DeAndre Hopkins oh, my favorite. says he will he will retire once he's not a 1,000-yard receiver or on pace to be a 1,000-yard receiver. So, like, he didn't get there last year, but he was like, I would have been on pace if I played the amount of games. Do you believe him? Slash, do you, do you care? I don't care. No. <laughs> this is stupid. Okay. This is really dumb. Like, okay, sure, fine. Like, what? I don't understand what this is trying to say. That... You're just going to retire when you suck? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. When you suck, retire. Okay. Good. Yeah. Bye. See ya. Right. He, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, see, I don't know what to do with that. But what if he this year has like 800 yards in 17 games? Then he's got to retire. I don't think he would retire, though. I would tell. So I think I it would, is a lie. I would say, I would call him up and I'd be like, dude, you got to retire. Okay. I think it's a lie. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to switch gears, uh, preview KU's week four opponent, BYU, with Jake Hatch coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, or the KLWN app. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We continue on with our series of early previews of the KU football schedule, and we're on to week four, which is KU's conference opener and their conference home opener against the BYU Cougars. We're joined now by Jake Hatch, who does BYU pre- and post-game on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone, and also hosts Locked On Cougars for BYU. Uh, Jake, thanks for joining today. What were the local thoughts? What were your thoughts on BYU coming in at 11th yesterday in the preseason Big 12 poll? Well, thanks for having me, guys. But yeah, 11th, I think, is actually a pretty uh, common spot that most people I had talked to thought BYU might land. There's anywhere between, I thought some people said 9 and as low as 13. So landing in the 11th spot's not a bad spot, I think, for BYU to be. But obviously, uh, plenty of ground for them to make up if they want to be a difference maker in the conference this fall. Yeah, is there is there more optimism about having immediate success in, in making the jump to a Power 5 school because of uh, BYU playing consistently a handful plus of these Power 5 teams kind of year to year and the success that they had against Baylor last year and, and getting that uh, close victory over the Bears? Does that give more confidence locally to, to I guess, how the transition is going to go? I think there's that little bit of that thought, obviously. BYU has played as many as seven Power 5 games in a single season during their independent era over the past 12 years, so they're not uh, wholly unfamiliar with 
playing Power 5 opponents and having success against them as well. But uh, this is a whole new thing. It'll be 10 Power 5 opponents. They're going to open up with two, uh, quote-unquote, cupcakes, and then it's off to the races with the toughest schedule they'll have ever played in their program's history. So there, there is confidence there for BYU, but they also understand the challenges they're going to face because this is a whole new level of football that BYU has never played before. Do you think there's more excitement from the the local community and the BYU fan base about the move to the Big 12 for football or basketball? Uh, football, I think, drives things. Uh, I think it's that football is obviously going to uh, rule the day, but BYU fans, I can tell you, are excited about the prospect of having high-level basketball, most notably uh, programs like Kansas, and the opportunity to have them in Provo and also make the uh, trip out the Fog Allen Fieldhouse as well to play games like that. But I think that the confidence and the excitement goes more for football because I, I do think BYU fans are more confident in the football program competing and having success early on in the Big 12. Versus probably what they're going to face in terms of the hoops. Uh, uh, the, the basketball in the Big 12 is absolutely incredible. And I think BYU understands, you know what? Probably up against a little bit in the hoops r- arena. Yeah, and uh, obviously this game will be in Lawrence for the football side of things. Basketball, mm-hmm. we don't know what the, the conference schedule is going to be like yet, but in case Kansas does play in Provo mm-hmm. at BYU this year in basketball, and you know there's some local fans here who maybe end up making the trek out and saying, hey, let's go explore one of the, the new cities with one of the new conference members. Any recommendations for, for what somebody should do if they're visiting Provo for the first time? Uh, well, it's particularly about BYU and Provo. Anybody can go online. You can Google it. You'll see that it literally sits at the foot of the Wasatch Range. I had the Wasatch Mountains. So uh, if you're coming out this way, I'd absolutely recommend you get up in the mountains no matter the time of year. If there's snow, you can go up there, ski, snowboard, uh, uh, go snowmobiling. If it's wintertime, I'd be using basketball season. Uh, but if you're coming here potentially in a year or two, whenever Kansas happens to play football out here, uh, you're going to be in one of the more idyllic settings in terms of the, just the surrounding area, the the leaves change color up on the mountain, so it's red, yellow, and orange at all times. There's great hiking. There's just great recreational opportunities, but there's also opportunities for some really good eating in the local area as well. So about a handful of returning starters on both the offense and defense. Uh, the offensive side of the ball, obviously Keaton Slovis, is kind of a big name around college football uh, because a lot of people remember him from the days at USC. Obviously last year he was mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, kind of an up-and-down year. Um, what are kind of the expectations for, for what he's going to be able to do at BYU this season after having some really strong seasons with Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson? I don't mean it to sound too simplistic, but I think BYU goes as Keaton Slovis goes really this fall. He he is a guy that when he's been at the peak of his powers, many of us know he's a dark horse Heisman contender during his time at USC. Uh, yeah, you mentioned he had a really up and down year, uh, more downs than ups. It felt like a year ago at Pitt, but the BYU coaches are very confident in his ability. So uh, it's like I said, I don't mean to boil it down to just one guy, but he is really a big key factor. I think BYU fans would love to see BYU be bowl eligible year one here in the Big 12, but they've got to have a guy like Keaton Slovis deliver in his lone season as a Cougar. Uh, if he proves to be more of the quarterback he was at USC for BYU versus maybe what he was at Pitt, I think BYU's got a pretty good opportunity to be a fairly competitive program this fall, but he has got to uh, deliver on that ability. The nice part is during spring camp, he looked the part, but uh, we all know that practice and game time are two very, very different arenas. Feels like to me, ever since Kalani Sataki has taken over, that 
you know, the the offensive line has been a real strength for this BYU program, mm-hmm. and it seems like that might be the case again this year anytime you have somebody who could potentially be, um, you know, first-team All-Big 12 uh, on the offensive line in addition to having some uh, some good other starters along that offensive line. W- would you deem that position as the biggest position of strength on the offense? And uh, I, I guess if not or if so, what is and what do you think is the position that you have the most questions about right now? Well, so yeah, I, I would say right now it probably is uh, maybe one of the chief strengths, if not the chief strength of the offense. Now, if it had you said that, that I was going to say that in July, way back in January, I probably would have laughed because I just wasn't 100% certain that the offensive line was going to be that. But they've done a very, very good job in the transfer portal, bringing in a number of talented guys along that offensive line. And obviously, it's headline, as you mentioned, the first round uh, potential and uh, an all-Big 12 preseason pick in Kingsley Suamata'ia. I know that's not a, not an easy name for anybody to pronounce, but uh, he is going to be the, the best offensive lineman the BYU has on their roster. But the nice part is, if, you, if you're looking at it, I think they'd go at least eight or nine deep on paper for that offensive line that are starting caliber guys for the Cougars. So, yes, I think just the overall depth and breadth of talent along the offensive line should lend itself to being the, if not the, the most powerful unit on BYU's roster, maybe including the defense. So there's a big opportunity there. Kalani Satake has, has preached he wants his teams to have a reputation of being tough, and he knows that it's got to start in the trenches. So he's absolutely, yes, as you mentioned, made it a priority during his time as BYU's coach to have very, very good offensive and defensive lines. And what about the flip side of that? Is there a position on the offense that, that you do have the most questions about right now? I think the biggest question I have is with regards to their running back position. And now they hit the transfer portal to bring in two guys that they expect to be a part of the rotation there. Uh, one of them, a thousand yard rusher a year ago at UNLV, and Aiden Robbins had originally uh, played at Louisville, his hometown school, uh, before transferring to UNLV for just this past year. But he'd have a thousand yard year last year in the hopes that it, it can translate over for BYU as they make the jump to the Big 12. They also brought in Dion Smith from Colorado. He was one of the many players let go by Dion. Sanders uh, out there in Boulder. And uh, the thought is that both of them, they're two very different type of running backs. Aiden Robbins is all of six foot three, 230 pounds. So he's a true power back. He's got some nice uh, shiftiness to him despite being that big. And then Deion Smith is more of the lightning versus the thunder that is Aiden Robbins, a little smaller scat back type. But the hope is that those two can deliver and really help BYU's rushing attack be pretty potent. It's been that for the last couple of years, but they're hoping those two deliver. And the big question is, will those two be able to do that? Because we did not see either of them in spring ball. BYU's defense, I think, ranked 96th in the country in in scoring defense last year. That was obviously a bit of a struggle for them on that end. Uh, What are kind of the prospects of, of what the defense can be this year? Are there reasons to be concerned that it could be the same, or is there optimism that it's going to be a lot better? Yeah, the defense absolutely sunk last year, and it had a pretty dramatic fall-off over the past two years in particular. And uh, That keyed Kalani Satake to fire his longtime friend, Elisa Tuiaki, who was his defensive coordinator. So he made wholesale changes on that side of the ball, bringing in four new coaches, including a new defensive coordinator in Jay Hill. Now, Jay Hill has been a very successful head coach at the FCS level out here in Utah at Weber State. I did a very good job, especially on the defensive side of the ball there. He and Kalani Satake were on the staff together at Utah. 
uh, under Kyle Whittingham. They were coming up through the ranks, so they're very, very familiar with one another. They have a great affinity for how each other approaches the game. And when uh, Kalani Sitake decided to make that move and make the change on at defensive coordinator, his first call was to Jay Hill, and he went all in on making sure this guy was going to come in and help him out. So, yeah, I'm not 100% convinced that it's going to be a one-year transformation where BYU's defense, as you mentioned, goes from like 96 in scoring defense to maybe top 40. But I think that they have the pieces, especially via the transfer portal they brought in on defense, to push that to maybe like in the 60s range. And I think a 30, uh, a 30 spots in terms of improvement in that scoring defense metric alone would lend itself to being a much more competitive program for BYU. And what would you say is the biggest strength and biggest weakness of that defensive unit? I would say on paper right now, the secondary for BYU is the, is the strongest. They've got two very capable safeties along with some pretty good depth uh, in that backfield. They also brought in an SDS All-American transfer at cornerback in Eddie Heckard, along with a guy named by the name of Jacob Robinson, who was the hero of BYU's bowl game defensively last year. He made the single play that helped them beat SMU down there at the New Mexico Bowl. So they've got very uh, good players in that secondary along with some pretty nice depth back there. Now the weakness is some of the BYU what you tried to address via the transfer portal, but there's just big question marks, is the defensive line. Now, this BYU defense is not known for its pass rush ability. Last season alone had just 15 sacks the entire year. If I recall correctly, they had 11 or 12 in the regular season before adding three or four in the bowl game alone. So they needed an injection of talent and the ability to rush the opposing quarterback, and they addressed that by bringing in two guys from Boise State. One of them, Isaiah Banya, led the Boise State Bronx and sacks two seasons ago, so the hope is that he can bring that skill and ability to BYU. And uh, the, the biggest thing is they do need to get more pressure on opposing quarterbacks, but it, it's kind of a twofold thing because that uh, pressure on quarterbacks hopefully can slow down opposing offenses while at the same time last year at times the rush defense particularly along that defensive front was not good enough. So the other Boise State transfer in Jackson Cravens comes in as a defensive tackle who is hopefully going to shore up a little bit more of that rush defense. So, yes, the, the defensive line as a whole needed upgrades through, throughout the entirety of it. The hope is that via the transfer portal and just having a, a more cohesive scheme and better coaching, they hope, from a guy like Jay Hill as well as the other defensive co- coaches they brought in, they'll see improvement there. But absolutely, that defensive line was the weakness last year. Kansas runs a very multiple offense, balanced offense. They ran uh, a good amount of kind of a speed option, triple option type game last year and had a good quarterback. Stylistically, has there been any uh, type of style of play that has maybe given BYU either more struggles or uh, that they've done well against that, that could make it for a more interesting matchup with Kansas? Uh, when BYU's been able to face, I guess what you would call more air raid type offenses, which I know it's not Kansas' style. I'm, I'm a football junkie at heart, and I absolutely love what, what Coach Leipold and the Kansas offenses run over the last couple of years. Uh, you mentioned some very multiple look, but uh, BYU traditionally, when they've been able to kind of uh, kind of lean into playing against a pass heavy offense, they seem to have had more success in the recent past. But they absolutely just with the overall performance of the defense a year ago. Uh, frankly, I, I think any uh, type of offense was having success. So the hope is this year they can make some improvement. Kalani Sitake said it himself. His preference defensively, because he's a former defensive coordinator, is to stop the run. He wants to make teams one-dimensional, ideally forcing them to put the game on the arm of their quarterback. But uh, a year ago, that was not the case. They just struggled to uh, just really slow down anybody. So the hope is this year they can get back to being more of a defense that can force you to do one thing versus letting you do whatever you want. It's always interesting to me 
to figure out what the locals are thinking about a game because you know mm-hmm. we see this all the time where if you're a team or, or your school or you know that fan base is in the area they're like okay this is the winnable game that's the one we're going to win to get to this amount of wins and then you talk to somebody yeah. from you know the other school and it, it's like oh no we think we're going to win that game right and uh, I think we saw that you know that, that might be happening with uh, I think some KU and Illinois fans where Illinois fans are saying oh we're, we're going to win that game of course we're going to beat Kansas and Illinois and Kansas fans are going yeah okay we're going to beat Illinois and get by that one uh, this one feels like kind of a toss-up game to me where both these teams could be bowl teams and, and kind of around that range. So I guess what what is the local thought about playing at Kansas? I, I don't know if – obviously this is the conference opener for KU. I, I can't remember the BYU mm-hmm. schedule if this is the conference opener for them too. But, I mean, are, are the thoughts that, oh, this is this is who we want to play in a conference game at Kansas, I guess. What, what are the, the local thoughts about this game? Yeah, so it is BYU's conference opener. It is their first ever Big 12 game. It'll be out there in Lawrence. So there's a lot of excitement just with that that factor. Obviously, a lot of novelty for BYU this year, and that that being their very first Big 12 game. I'm making the trip out, obviously, to cover it and excited to uh, see, quote-unquote, history for BYU in that game. But uh, to your point, I think BYU fans look at kind of the calculus of, okay, how do we get the ball eligibility year one? And the thought is that Kansas could be one of those toss-up games, truthfully, because Kansas, had this been a year ago, let's be honest, I think you guys would agree with me, the reputation of Kansas was okay. Lance Leipold is doing a good job building this program. Any BYU fan who watched Kansas a year ago get out of the gate very, very hot. Now, it's obviously a little bit of a fade down the stretch, but they were probably looking at it saying, like, well, Jalen Daniels, he's very, very good. And this is a pretty uh, good Kansas team. They're very plucky. They've got a, a lot of good talent in that program. So I think that if you're doing the math at B, for BYU, looking, okay, you pick off a win here, pick off a win there. You're trying to get the math to get yourself the bowl eligibility year one. I think one of the true 50 50 toss-up games is this game in Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a, a fun one, that's for sure. And when you come out there, who knows? Who knows if, if you're out here on a Friday or something, maybe we could get you in studio and, and further preview the game then. But, uh, Jake, I appreciate taking some time out of your day and, and talking some BYU football and helping us take an early look at this game, man. Have a good rest of your day and have a good rest of your weekend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I look forward to being out there in Lawrence later in September. All right. That's Jake Hatch. You can catch him BYU pre and post game 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone, and with Locked On Cougars. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks to Jake Hatch for coming on the show there. We will uh, get into the Nick Marsh news. He picked Michigan State as part of his commitment uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. The first, I don't even call it a miss for KU football. Like, yeah, they didn't a miss. miss. No, but it's it like was, the first non get. It was, it was. It's like, were you still, uh, everybody picking KU? You know, here a really high rank player yeah. that KU was going after that. Not a uh, huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, Listen, we'll get into that in the five You can't get every guy to, you, you can't get every single cool player ever to commit. Could you imagine? To your school. Could you imagine? No, because then you'd have a thousand players on your roster. That would be great. Every other school would only have walk-ons. <laughs> awesome. Now, uh, we'll get to sports stock market as well coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. First, though, we have a game that we are going to play here. Uh, this one was so Scott Chasen came after you on Twitter for your job. He did. The boosters are not happy. You overall in these games have gone 55 and 27. I over can't 60 believe. Games, which is, I can't believe the boosters and the board of trustees yeah, are mad at me. That's about a nine-win average. I mean, I've been and you do have great. a title. You've gone five and I one in polls. I kept my head down. I haven't done any recruiting violations. I haven't done any mm-hmm. any headlines. All I've done is win. Well, here's the problem: the last three years, you have gone a combined twenty five and fifteen. 
That's about eight and five on average. And for yeah, you won the good. title in year two, though. So everybody thinks that you're, you know, this unbelievable coach. Now they're like, is he just an average coach? Do we need a do we need a, a change of pace, right? So the boosters are not happy. This uh, Scott Chasen also recommended this list that we are going to do. It is Taylor Swift ex boyfriend. She's playing an Arrowhead tonight in Kansas City, or. Dude. 1910s college football coach. I can assure you that I have not paid attention to Taylor Swift or who she's dating. But do you know 1910s college football coaches? I, I don't. I thought it was. I thought it was 1910 All Americans. I was thinking about doing that, and then I went back to the college football coaches. Oh, I like okay, the names okay. better. Okay. 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 All right. So I'm going to give you a name. We have 12 games on the schedule. I, I, I got to say, if it's a football coach or a Taylor yes. Swift ex-boyfriend. Yes. All right. Ready? Week one. Sure. This should be your FCS game. Newt Rockney. That's a coach. That is a coach from, from Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah. yeah. No, that was your FCS one. game. Yes. Yeah, okay, that's an easy one. Yep. See? There you go. Good All start. Right. Yeah. Oh, no. Just beat North Southeast Dakota State 70 to 0. Feeling yep. good. All right, week two. Drew Hardwick. That's a that's an ex-boyfriend. Why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. Okay. Do you know who <laughs> that is? No, I don't. But it sounds like a guy who's not a that's not an old timey name. Okay. He is uh, an ex-boyfriend. Okay. Taylor Swift. Doing oh. Subject of Taylor Swift's uh, teardrops on my guitar song. Nice. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, looks like he was arrested for some bad stuff. Ooh. Oh. Okay. Gee. Week okay. three. Dodge disavow. Hey, Taylor, dodge the bullet We there. disavow Drew Hardwick. Yeah, Taylor, dodge uh, the bullet Week there. three. Lucas Till. I feel like that's an ex-boyfriend, too. I'm going ex-boyfriend on this one, too. Lucas Till is an ex-boyfriend. Hey, there he we go. He's an actor. This is a great start for you. Three known the non-con. <laughs> he was in uh, X-Men First Class. He was in the Hannah Montana show. Oh. He was in MacGyver. Wow. He was in Monster Trucks. What? Yeah. What is Monster Trucks? I don't know. Dude, I need, to get, out. I need to get out more. Okay. You do. Um. Okay, week four. On to your conference play. Good start to the year. 3-0. Percy Hutton. Oh, that's got to be a coach. Percy? Are you kidding me? Percy. Short for Percival, I would assume. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't Definitely know. a coach. Percy Hutton is a coach at Harvard. He coached. Or he was a coach at Harvard. Well, was a coach at Harvard. <laughs> um, he won national titles in 1908, 1910, 1912, and 1913. Wow. So you better know Percy wow. Hutton. I almost forgot his last name okay, already. Okay, but there's only six teams in NCAA at that time. So, good job. You're the best well, team out of 16. You, you do with what you have, you know? <laughs> Can't do better. All right, week five, 4-0 start. Now the, the alumni are like, okay, we're back. We're back. We better not blow this season. Week five, Connor Kennedy. My initial gut is ex-boyfriend. I'm going to go with that. Okay. Go with your gut, and your gut paid off. Nice. Connor Kennedy is an ex-boyfriend of Taylor Swift. There we go. She's He actually, Connor Kennedy, he's like the, uh, he's somehow so related to Robert F. Kennedy. If I go undefeated or, on this, wait, what? Yeah, he's the son of Robert F. Kennedy, who is the brother? Of JFK. Yeah. 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 So if I go undefeated on this, is my reward I get to go on a date with Taylor Swift? If I get the um, name, if I name all of her exes, I feel like that qualifies me. To you get on can a date. send this to her, 
and see what she says. How about that? We do know okay. she loves Lawrence. She does love Lawrence. Yeah. She loves KU. So check mark there you in go. your favor there. Taylor, take a day trip to Lawrence <laughs> in between your shows and, you know, yeah. we'll go to the burger stand and have ourselves a good time. <laughs> What's your ideal date with Taylor Swift? I don't She's going to want something more low-key, I'd assume. She doesn't want to be out in public, I'd bet. Oh, you know? Okay. Um, you might have to cook for her. Oh, I can cook. You can cook? What oh, are you cooking? Easily. I can cook. Okay. Dude. Well, what I are you cooking? I can cook a steak, fried potatoes with some asparagus. This I is cook the most like, like man meal burgers. ever. Okay. I we can cook, uh, you know, I, I like some salmon. I can get some salmon and rice. Okay. I can do that. Right. I can do lots of stuff with chicken. Make a nice chicken sandwich. <laughs> Some toasted bread, some bacon. <laughs> make uh, you know, uh-huh. pasta. Okay. Can make some nice some chicken fettuccine Alfredo. I like that. That's okay. pretty good. All right. I, I've listen, I've got a wide variety okay. in the All arsenal. Right. Uh week six, Calvin Harris. Mm, this is tough. <sighs> I think I think you're trying to trick me with this one. Hmm. Me? I, think, I never yes. trick you. What are you talking about? No, you tricked me. How? I just give a I'm name. Going to ex-boyfriend. Calvin Harris is an ex-boyfriend. Yep. See, you were trying to trick. How me. is that trying to trick you, dude? Calvin? That's How? the most 1910s <laughs> name of all time. It <laughs> <laughs> was honestly not a trick. That was just a name down. I don't know why <laughs> that would be 1910s. Okay, six and zero. Oh. You're bull eligible. <laughs> Title bound. Yep. Possibly. We're on a Question roll. Mark. We're on a roll. Week seven. Coming for that Taylor Swift date. William Junow. Okay, this one's tough. So I've had I've had three consecutive ex-boyfriends, if I'm not mistaken. Or two consecutive. Um Calvin Harris and then the one before that was an ex-boyfriend. Uh, should I be allowed to tell you that? I feel like so. Well, yeah, you have had two straight boyfriends. Okay. So that makes me question this one, but I don't I don't know. William is a good old timey name. But William, people name people nowadays can be named William too. Do more often is the is the shortening of the name William to Bill? Was that more old timey or now? That's more old timey. Okay. If you're William now, you're just Will, not Bill. Mm, that's a good point. I am going to go with Coach here, but this is the first one where I don't feel confident. He is a coach. He was a okay. former coach of Marquette, Wisconsin, and Texas. All right, okay. you're seven and zero. I Week eight. I didn't feel confident about that one. Tom Hiddleston. Wait, I've heard of this guy. I think. You have? <laughs> I think so. That surprises me. Okay. I think he's an ex-boyfriend, right? He is an Okay, ex-boyfriend. I've heard of that guy. I've heard of him. He I don't uh, know who plays he is. Loki in the yeah, like, yeah, Marvel I, movies, I don't know who he is, watch. but I've heard of him. Yeah, they, they they broke up as like all these guys did. Right, you're 8-0. This is your best start to the season, Nick. Okay. This is a wonderful okay. job by you. Week 9, Matt Healy. Boy, this is... We we are hitting the tough part of our schedule. That's for sure. I'm, Back I'm, half was tougher. I'm than less the first. and less confident in, mm-hmm. in some of these. Uh, I'm gonna go with the coach. Don't feel good about it though. Matt Healy is an ex-boyfriend. Oh, dude! And the undefeated season is no, no more. But way. you still have everything in front of you. You Come can win your conference. On, you can bro. make the playoffs still. Who's who is that? Who's Matt Healy? Who is that? <laughs> an ex-boyfriend of Taylor Swift. What do you mean, uh, Matt Healy? Uh, I think he does music. Okay, I don't care. Next. English singer-songwriter. Never mind. <laughs> Next. Week 10, Zen Scott. But it's That's... spelled with an X. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? X-E-N. No. On the first name. No. 
I was gonna say coach, but now I don't know. An X? <laughs> that changes everything. Is it X X's and O's? Maybe it's X's and O's. Oh, that's a good coach. point. Coach. Zen Scott is a coach. Okay. Coach Ooh, for dodge Alabama. A, dodge a bullet there, man. Yeah. Wow. Dodge <laughs> a bullet there. All right, week 11. You are uh, now 9-1 and one on the season. Um, Brandon Borello. Wait, I think I've heard of that guy, too. Okay. That's the next boyfriend. Brandon Borello is a coach what? of his kids' basketball team, maybe. No, Brandon Borello is actually an Australian soccer player and an ex-boyfriend of Taylor okay. Swift. Okay. Yes, you are right. Okay. Nice. I'm just messing with you. You had me worried there. Okay, you were 10-1. and one. You're Either way, you're playing for a conference title, but you got to hit this to have a chance have to a play chance off. The, yeah. yeah. Week 12, Cord Overstreet. Could be Chord. I don't know. It's <laughs> C-H-O-R-D. See, that's a disaster. Because if it was just Cord, C-O-R-D, I'd be like, Coach. But okay. Cord, C-H-O-R-D, like the uh-huh. musical Cord. But what if it's Chord? There's no way his name is Chord. It could be. There's no way his name is Chord. C-H. There's no way this dude's name is Chord. I'm refusing to believe that. I'm going to go with the coach. It is Cord. I'm going to go coach. Cord Overstreet is an ex-boyfriend. What the dude? What? Are you 10 and 2? uh, You're still playing for your conference championship. I don't don't agree with that. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, which one do we want to go with here? Let's see. Uh, Benny. You know what I'm learning from this? Taylor Swift needs to date a guy with a normal name, like Nick. (laughs) Well, there are some that I didn't include in here that were like obvious ones. Okay. Like Joe Jonas. Joe, right? Sure. Uh, Benny Owen. This is my conference championship? Yes. Which you haven't won in a few years. This is is important. (laughs) I think it's a coach. Benny Owen is a coach. He actually hey. coached at Washburn and Bethany before being oh. at Oklahoma. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right, so All right, you're 11-2. So you're in a really good is bowl game again. me to... No, does not. <laughs> not this time. You can only make the, make it as a two-loss team every so often because it's never happened. All right. All right, so now I'm just in like the, I don't know. What's a good bowl? The, the potato bowl. That's not a good bowl. Yeah, it is. Is it? I, I think it'd be fun. No. In the potato bowl? That's okay, awesome. Fine. Potato bowl. Sure, whatever. Okay, uh, week 14, your bowl game. You're 5-1 and one in bowls. Charlie Moran. Wait, I think I've heard of that guy, too. Mm. Ex-boyfriend. Charlie Moran is a former coach what? at Texas A&M. No. So you've lost your second ever bowl game. The fans are happy, though, because after three straight years where you averaged eight wins, you did improve, but there are continued expectations like, when are we getting back to the playoff? Dude, when are we getting back to I, a national championship? That's just... But that's okay. 11-3, that it's good improvement. That's a tough good that's a tough way to end the season. All right, that was Taylor Swift, Taylor, boyfriend call me. Or 1910 college football uh, coach. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Sports Stock Market next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, news from uh, River Rouge High School where Nick Marsh, the four-star receiver, top 150 prospect in the class of 2024, has decided to pick Michigan State over Kansas, Penn State, and a couple others. He went. He already had picked Michigan State once before. To re-pick Michigan State. So you decided to just do it again. Yes. Go with what you're comfortable with. <laughs> that has got to be honestly like that's got to be so frustrating for co- from a, like a coaching standpoint. 
Yeah, I also think that's like a first for me. I can't recall another time where a kid decommitted from a school and then recommitted to that same school. Usually when they decommit, it's like gone. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how that happened or like why or what the reasoning was. But I think we talked about this a little bit. When you like looking outside of Nick Marsh, just at that aspect of it, the decommit, de- recommit. What's to say that other kids might not do that same thing? I mean, you. I mean, let's say you commit to a school, and then you can just threaten to decommit or actually decommit. Well, do you think it's an NIL to, thing? Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Just to try to ply more NIL from that school. I mean, we've already seen guys do that with the transfer portal. Look at Isaiah Wong from Miami. That's basically what he did. Uh, and I, I, I don't love that. I really don't love that at all, to be honest. Uh, the idea that you can commit to a school, and then before you sign your national letter of intent, you're like. Well, I might decommit, or I can. I'll decommit if you don't fork over more nil or whatever. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't love that. I don't love that. I'm not saying I don't even know if that's why Nick Marsh decommitted from Michigan State and why he rec- like. I, I that's pure. You just mean in general. Yeah, yeah I just I'm just speaking in general. I have no idea why Nick Marsh decommitted or or anything like that. But yeah, I'm just saying in general, it could set a bad trend. I agree with you. for For what it's worth, this one, I I don't know that that is the case. Like I, no, I don't I, know yeah, why he decommitted. From I don't. The, I don't know. That, I don't. Place. Yeah. That's. I have no idea. It's just. It's very odd because yeah, I've I've never seen that type of thing happen before. It did feel like there was a bit there where it was like, okay, he's got a shot. They've got all these kids from Detroit. Like there was a cool video well. with, or the picture of him and Andy Kolnicki riding around. I think they had the last visit that can always be helpful. It's not the be-all, end-all. Like, we saw Nick Timberlake visit UConn last and then pick Kansas. So it, yeah. it's not the be-all, end-all. But, you know, that does help. Doesn't doesn't hurt oh, to yeah. have the last thought. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the uh, the fact that this was a, this is a guy who plays at this – I think he plays – doesn't he play at the same high school as Jalen Todd? I think they both go to the same high school. So the idea that you have a guy that plays at – the same high school or near the same high school as other recruits. near. I don't think it's the same one. Oh, okay. I think oh, you're thinking of Jalen Todd and Isaiah Marshall. Oh, okay. Those yeah. guys are at the same high school? Yes. Okay. I believe. But so but still the point being like you you have a guy that's local to the area where you already have a couple of other commits that makes you feel I mean the same you like the same discussion with the Deshaun Warner commit, right? Like two other guys from high, from his high school, that's you know, probably helped for KU. So in this case, you have that you know, the fact that KU's already been building a Detroit pipeline and just the general momentum of it feeling like KU getting every target they've gone after over the last, what, like, month now that maybe fuel the rose-colored glasses even more about this situation to where you, it seemed like KU might have more of a chance than maybe they, they did. Uh, but still, I mean, I've talked about this. Like, when it comes to this kind of stuff recruiting-wise, there's two facets to it. Like getting commits obviously is is the big priority, but even if you are in the top three for elite level players like this, that's still a really positive sign. Even if you don't end up getting the guy, right? Because like, you know, maybe he didn't pick Kansas, but maybe that that extra pub that KU gets for being in on in the top three of a a guy of that of that level that that that'll turn some heads from other guys potentially. Yeah. So there's still positive to take away from Kansas here like it's like you know you didn't get a guy that was going to be the best recruit by far by like 400 places ever in KU history uh, and you know that's okay but there's still it's still uh, positive to take away from it yeah I mean it doesn't change the fact that KU is having 
arguably their greatest recruiting class right now that they've had since the composite era in 2010. If you just go by the quality of player they bring in, it would have been a nice cherry on top, but it's also not necessary. And it's not a position that, frankly, KU is is like they have to have this class. You brought in three freshman receivers in the last class. Uh, Saraz Buncombe joined the program in the spring. Seemed like there were you know good first day steps taken by him. Uh, it seems like the staff likes the other two kids that they're bringing in with Kubeka and uh, I can't remember the name of the other kid who's coming in from Houston who's just like a, a speed blazer Demonte down Ma- the field. Uh, Demonte Maxson? Are you talking about the no, 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 the receivers. Um, oh. And so you have all these other guys on roster. Like it's not the end of the world that you didn't get them. It just would have been a nice luxury addition to have. Um, so, you know, you, you move forward and you go for some of these other targets because it still continues to feel like with KU football, they're at a point where if they, if, if this ends up being it, if they're at these 15 guys who are committed right now, and that's all that ends up being in the class, you feel pretty good. You're feeling great with that, with yep. those 15. And Lance Leipold has said that, they're looking at, you know, the 16 number range of number of guys they want anyways. Yeah. Which you're almost there. Well, and at this point, if you're wondering, like, okay, who are the other big targets then at this point? Who are guys that, like, I don't know that the staff is specifically looking for more of these players at these positions, but they just like the players enough and they've recruited them to this point. And maybe they've had visits to this point where it's just like the offer is still out there. And if you want to commit, we'll take you and we'll figure out the numbers later. There's three yeah. big ones that come to mind from our conversations with John Kirby and Michael Swain that we've had over the last like week or two here on the show. The first is Michael Boganowski. He is the linebacker from Junction City. Um, Kansas State, Oklahoma are kind of seen as the favorites there with Kansas next behind, but obviously he's being made a priority. You saw the Kansas other recruits and commits uh, yeah. tweeting at him to he try to get him in randomly tweeted a picture of him on his KU visit, which yeah. took place two months ago last week, which makes, which, you know, I don't know what that does for you, but. Mm-hmm. I think he was just on a visit with like Florida State maybe even. Like he's a really good player. Uh, yeah, he's num- a four-star. Number, number, number one player in Kansas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'd be a huge deal if you were able to get him. Another one is Tyler Simmons. He is a uh, defensive lineman being seen as more like an interior defensive lineman. It's a D-tackle who uh, is a three-star kid, like top 1,400 recruit nationally from the Florida area. And uh, that's one that you're kind of keeping an eye on. And, and he's one that John Kirby was talking about, has all these really smart schools that that have offered him. And you think of Northwestern, Virginia, and some of these other schools that uh, he's a smart football player, and that's one to be of interest. And then there's this Elias Williams kid who is listed as an edge at 6'4", 255. Uh, but with KU having two edges in the class, maybe they could convert him to being because you know, he's not that far off from the Simmons kid in terms of height weight. A defensive tackle, this three-star kid, top 900 kid nationally, to where obviously you take him and, and figure it out as offers to you know Indiana, Missouri, UCF, Florida State, Kansas, all these sorts of schools. Those are the yeah. ones you turn to at this point. But the beauty in all this is that because you have set yourself up with the 15 commits that you already have in tow, any of these players that pick other schools, in addition to what happened today with Nick Marsh, it doesn't change much for you. It's It's almost like... You know, if you're in a well-paying job and then you go try to play the lottery and you don't win, you shrug your shoulders and like, ah, that would have been nice. That would have been fun. But you're not like, oh, man, what am I going to do now? You're at a well-paying job. You have a good life, all that sort of stuff. You know, you're going to be fine. You're going to be more than fine, right? Yeah. It would have been cool to win the lottery. Would have been cool for Kansas to win uh, to get Nick Marsh. <laughs> but you don't need it. You're still going to self-sustain. Yeah. You're still going to be fine. So yeah. that's how I kind of feel with that and those maybe three guys. We'll, we'll see if Kansas can get any more of them in tow. Uh, but the other beauty of this is, you know, I, I think the NCAA is, is uh, or one of the committees that they have billions of committees, is recommending 
that they continue to do the thing where at least for another year, um, you don't have a limit on the 25 scholarships in the class that you can just fill up like you do in basketball. Like every year in basketball, it's like you just have 13 scholarships, use them however you want, that you can just do that in football. You have 85 scholarships, use them however you want. That would be even more beneficial to KU here, but whether they do that or not, worst case, if you don't get any more high school recruits and it's at 15, that just gives you more scholarships to go out in the transfer portal in the yeah, offseason. Right? Exactly. And it's Lance Leipold, based on some of his comments, has made it clear that recruiting the transfer portal is going to be a priority as well for his staff. And it, and it, it really, you saw it in the spring this year, right? I mean, especially on the D-line when they where they felt like they needed to shore up, that's what they did. So I think now you you kind of recognize the pattern for Lance Leipold and his staff when it comes to recruiting. They're going to they're gonna be aggressive, and they got a bunch of commits already, which is fantastic. They're going to see how this season plays out, and then you know, come springtime, they're going to look and say, what are some areas where we could use some extra bodies? What are some areas where we could shore up a little bit with some talent? And that's going to be your areas where you look for transfer portal guys in the spring, just like they did this past season, to try to shore up and make sure that you have the depth that you need, you have the talent that you need. Uh, across the board, so that 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 to me it seems pretty clearly to be now the blueprint that uh, that this coaching staff is going for recruiting wise. Where hit the high school recruiting hard in the off season, take care of your business there, get the kids you want to get in, see what happens over the course of the season. Then when you get to the spring, that's when you say you sit down and say, okay, here's our roster as it constructed by now. What are some areas where we don't have enough depth, or we don't feel like we have maybe necessarily the talent we want at that position? And then those are the positions where they then say, all right, let's go out and let's get our six or seven transfer portal guys that we want to bring in to to, to round out everything. Mm. One last thought, just to wrap this up. Nick Marsh committed to Michigan State last July, ended up decommitting in March. Michigan State had a bad year. They were able to reconvince him, obviously, to, to recommit today. If Michigan State has a bad year this year, and Kansas has a good year, we gonna rule out another decommit? <laughs> I mean, he hasn't signed a national letter of intent. I, I yeah, I don't know. You gonna rule it out? I don't know. But also, that should also. I thought that's one thing that you should bring up. But also, the other aspect of this is, yeah, you're if you're KU, you've gotten a lot of these great commitments. If you're KU and you have a bad year, or you take a step back when you were looking to take a step forward, you need to focus on making sure you retain the guys you have already. Also, yeah, that's even more important. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to sports stock market coming up next. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page, at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.